And since there is the Olympics coming, I think it's, it's good to, to think about the church in a race. And with that in mind, um, I want to think as a church in its function. Now, when, when words function comes to my mind, I, I don't know if you've got a chance to go to these places, historic places, and they point to you to an object and they say, oh, this is from year such and such, and this certain famous person sat on this stone. Uh, we've got one of those things, well, we've got many of those things, but we've got one thing that I wanted to talk is there are some olive trees that are particularly planted in one particular area in Albania, and uh, we've got one big national hero, and when he, he was in power, he decided that for each couple that was married, they needed to plant 25 olive trees. That was the rule. Now, he himself got married, and he also planted 25 olive trees. And if you go to this historic place, they say, this olive tree is from the time of Skanderbeg. And then you look at the tree, and it's a derelict. It doesn't have any olives. It's in big contrast with the rest of the olive grove. But we always like to identify that this is one of the trees that the national hero planted. Coming back to the function, history doesn't necessarily mean that we have always got it right. I want to start this morning with a few observations. We're thinking about race. And when I see churches, Christian communities together, sometimes it looks like as Christians we are in a race against God. All of a sudden we come up with this new idea and we get whirlpooled in the mentality that this is a better idea of what the church should look like. We've got strategic agendas. We've got religious purposes. We've got even a vision. Rather than what God intended it to be. And it looks like a three-legged race. That we want to go before God. We want to stay behind God. And not in this harmony. The second observation is that sometimes it's clear that we give the impression that as Christian communities, we are in a race against one another. The best website, the biggest events, the newest thing that has come up, this new product, who runs the best program, and Somehow we fall into that pattern that because it has worked for this particular church setup in Oklahoma, it should work for Bristol. It should work for Durs, Albania. We were part of um, 
a camping network back home. And sometimes it looked, well, it looked like it was a rough competition because some people that we would like to, to, to have as part of the network felt a bit threatened that we were going to take the children who went to their camp. And they would totally ignore us. And we worked on and on, they, they, well, year after year, trying to invite to be part of this big network. Because I see it that in this race, we're all together. It's the same aim, same focus. But I'll take it a step further, and I'll say that sometimes I've got the impression that even within the community, even if within our gathering, it looks like we are in a race against one another for the same purpose. And it is sad to say that, but it, it, it is a valid observation. And since we're in this mode of racing, this leads me to a difficult question. What or who is the source of my stamina? Is it my capabilities? Is it my self-sufficiency? Is it a particular spiritual hero? Or is it the Holy Spirit? Does it have to be big? Does it have to be associated with a particular movement? Otherwise, will not take off or will not come to pass? Where would you rather be? I'll tell you where I would rather be. I'd rather be amongst those who are unmentioned, unheralded, unknown, doing something through the Spirit of God. And I would not say rather here, because it's not time and it's not my task today. But we are in this race, and Paul has written a lot about this race. And Paul has prepared himself quite a bit for this race, because it was very close to his heart what the calling of God was. We have all the race to run, and we will look into that verse later on. But it will be good if we can look into also the rewards that come from this race. And uh, there are some crowns that are mentioned in the Old Testament, but especially we're going to look into the crowns of the New Testament, the wreaths that was based on the symbol of the Olympic Games. And the wreaths were worn only from the winners. Some were made out of olive branches, some were laurel, um, some were parsley, and some were pine. It all depended what athletic game it was and when was, was it played. But I think with this picture, Paul wants to encourage people wants to encourage Christians concerning this race and what is to come. 
So we're going to start with 2 Timothy chapter 4, and it says, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 8. It's, it's the last letter of Paul, and look what he has to write for his life. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown, the wreath of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul says, I have fought a good fight. And it's not just limited into a boxing match. Actually, there is a Greek word there that we we use a lot. And the, the word is agon, which is agony. And it pictures an athlete who's coming off the field... Heaven, heaven given it all the very best that he had. And now it's a time to retire. And he can see it, that he has given this race, his total effort, and he is ready to meet his Savior. But also Paul says he has kept the faith. He has played according to the rules of the race. In the Greek, well, ancient Greek times, it was, it was a, a practice that all the athletes, before they would take up the discipline, or before they would take up whatever sport they were doing, they had to give oath that they were going to play completely honorably and honestly. And here's Paul in the back, in the end of his life. And he's affirming that whatever he has vowed before God, by his grace, by his help, he has kept them. This race that we're asked to be part of, it's a long-term commitment, which doesn't fit very well with today's mentality, which is short-term pleasures. We like it to be instant, instant coffee. (coughs) I can't believe I said it. (laughs) I don't believe in instant coffee. Fast food shops, instant everything. And we try and bring that into our walk with God, in our living together as a community, and somehow it doesn't fit. Because it's not what God, who is the author, 
who is the builder of the church, intended it to be. But there is the reward here. It's the wreath, it's the crown of righteousness. And it's brilliant how Paul puts it, because sometimes we also think he's a super-Christian, he's not. And Paul says, this crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So this wreath of righteousness, it's an ongoing thing for even us today. It's something that we can aspire for. Because whether we like it or not, we're going to face him one day. Paul is making sure that he doesn't bring in the mentality of super-Christians. And he does it very well. Another crown is the imperishable crown. He writes to the Corinthians, Do you know, do you not know that in the race all the runners run but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not, that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Now, you read different commentators and all of a sudden the shift or the pressure for this passage is onto Christian leadership. And I want to challenge that this morning because... Paul is talking here to, to, to a bunch of people who were problematic. They were the church of Corinthians. You read the letter of 1 Corinthians and you know what they're going through. And he is writing to them. He's trying to teach them. Because also they knew what was happening in their city. Because Corinth was well known for the second biggest athletic event, which was not the Olympics, it was the Pinathlon or something, I don't know. But the city was aware of it. They know what was going on. They knew the, the, the whole strain and pain that all the people had to go through to take part in this race. But he wants to make sure that he goes a little bit beyond that. He says, the crowns that the runners receive was a wreath which soon will be dried out with it. 
while the reward of the faithful Christian would last forever. If, if in this race there is only one winner, in the kingdom of God, every child of God has got this potential for success. But there is one thing that is in common from both sides, the athletes and the Christians, and that is discipline. Now, I've, not, I've never been into Olympics, and I think now being in England has, has really got me going, you know. Um, but what I'd like to know is, and I'm very keen that, that for those winners, the medal winners, if somebody would come up, and probably they would, with a program that they would take a whole, well, take little snippets of the life of these athletes and what he has or she has to go through in order to come to that place. Because if it's the 100 meters race, it's only less than 10 seconds now. But how many years has it taken this individual to come to that place of doing it for less than 10 seconds? And let's bear that in mind with all the other disciplines. Fiona likes synchronized swimming. I'm the same. I think it's amazing how they do it. I think it was on Britain's Got Talent or something that they had those girls. And how do they do it? I don't know. But it's discipline. It's that commitment. It's that mindset. It's that sacrifice. It's that separation from the daily routine of life. And it's that one single focus. And the thing is that there are so many contestants and we all know that only three will be the winners. Gold, silver, silver and bronze. It's that time effort. It's that discipline. And coming back to the instant mentality, it's totally contradictory with the discipline. And when Jesus talks about discipleship, the word that is used in the New Testament for discipleship is, is the same word for discipline. And it's that mindset, that commitment. So this thing called church is called into a race that is not racing against God, it's not racing against one another, but it's racing towards one goal. And it cannot be done without the discipline. In connection with this, James writes about the crown of life. And with that in mind, we need to bear in mind that in this race, everyone is in different stages. Some 
are in preparation. Some have already passed it. Some have already run the race. Some are in preparations. Some are running it. Some will finish it this week. We don't know. But blessed is the man, says James, who preserves under trial because he has stood the test. He will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those that love him. I said that in this race we are in different stages. The, the author of Hebrews as well puts this down very nicely. Hebrews chapter 12, the first two verses. I think it's an outstanding passage. He has gone through the whole of faith. Chapter 11, Hebrews, we know that. goes through different big guys. And then he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Different sages, one aim, one place that we fix our eyes on. Imagine if this setting is around a big stadium with big athletes. Um, I really like what one book had written about this. It says, some of these athletes have been alive. They, you know, and the people who are looking at this are, are aware of it. And it says, here is Abel. He had offered the sacrifice in the attitude of faith, which pleased God. There was no self-trust in his sacrifice. And then is Noah is sitting behind him in this big stadium. And have you heard the, comment, the com command of God to do which was ridiculous in the eyes of his neighbors? He obeyed in the simple faith that God knew what he was talking about. And this mindset of an athlete is so critical in this when you're disciplined so you can have success. And then the writer says, well, not only Abel, not only Noah, but it's Abraham with his wife Sarah. She and he are cheering up because they know that the promise that was given to them was totally unreasonable by human understanding. But when God persisted in his promise, they believed him. The great old saint left the land of his fathers and went out to a land whose location he did not even know and did not demand. He trusted God. He didn't need a map. That's the attitude of a spiritual champion. And then we've got another athlete, Enoch. Life was simple. 
But Enoch walks with God and he was no more. Then we've got Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, who took on the reality of the blessing of the promises because God had done so. Then we've got Moses, who caught everyone's attention. His massive frame and intense eyes gave him the charismatic countenance that rose the breath of others in seeing it. And now comes the moment of our race. And how, we are, how are we to run this race? Let us lay aside every weight. Being in this big stadium of faith, of champions, we're humans too, who failed God in every single sense, and still they're called champions, cheering us up so we press on on the race of faith. But the writer has to be clear about this, that if for these athletes there was one thing God that focus remains the same. And he says, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Discipline, endurance. I don't know if you remember, but last Sunday I said that God is going to build, God is going to continue to build His church, no matter what. We are His church. Are we in a race against God? Are we in a race against one another? Are we in a race against other churches here in Bristol? Or are we in the race together, having our eyes fixed on Jesus? This thing called church is a funny thing. This thing called church does my head in. But this thing called church is God's church. And unless God builds his church, everything else is done in vain. I want to finish with a story that Pete gave me this week. It's very interesting. It's taken from the book called More Than Conquerors from Simon Gillibon? Gillibon. And it's talking about perseverance. And there was this athlete, um, a Tanzanian one, Tanzanian. His name was John Aquiri, and it was the Mexico Olympics. 
and this guy was running a marathon and the the writer of the book says that marathons are never easy i've never tried them so i don't know but the race was finished on time and the, when the race was finished the crowds all of a sudden got a different kind of focus and several hours later when everything had come to an end um, there was a guy who was just entering the tunnel his name was John Aquiri and he had just embarked on his last lap says the author his face was con well, was in agony his cramped feet shuffled along and progress was painfully slow gradually the crowd caught on and started cheering widely and when a query crossed the finishing line the noise was deafening later on they asked him in the press conference you were so far behind why didn't you just give up and he replied my country didn't send me here to start the race but to finish it the author very nicely closes i don't know the name of a single gold medal medal winner at the olympics in mexico they were before my time but i do i do know the name of john aquiri finishing the race finishing well persistence determination and discipline so we as a gathered community of saints as a gathered community of god people are called in the same race so i'm going to finish it by reading again hebrews 12 and then we're going to pray Therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us not let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and the perfecter of our faith let's pray we thank you lord that we are not alone in this race thank you that there have been so many that have gone there before us and they've tasted and seen that god is good And thank you Lord that the purpose the finishing line is our Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you Lord for allowing your church to be in different country in different stage. But my prayer Lord today is that you'd help us in our endurance 
You would help us in our unbelief. You will help us, Lord, in our self-sufficiency. And you'll help us, Lord, to do what is the right thing, to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, who is the founder and the finisher of our faith. Thank you, Lord, that you love the church and you love each and every one of us so much that you sent Christ for that very reason. That we can gather today as your church. We don't want to do our own thing, Lord. We don't want to do what we think is good. But we want to walk with you. We want to run this race with you. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.